I want you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to Psalm 57. And we're going to be in that passage in just a few moments as we continue our series on the life of David. And as you know, we've been talking about what it really means to chase after the heart of God. You know, we read it in Scripture, that God uh, clearly called David a man after his own heart. And I think that for most of us in this room, and I, I pray that it would be all of us in this room, but certainly for most of us, like that is something we would love to be said of us. In our journey and in our life, we would love for people to be able to say, listen, I, I don't know much about him, but man, I know this, he is a person after God's own heart. I think all of us would love to have that moniker that would go with us through this journey that we are walking in in life, that we would have that opportunity of recognizing that like no matter what happens, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, like that people just simply understand that we're chasing after the heart of God. And so that's why we've been talking through this, uh, this life of David, through this series that we've been walking through for the last few weeks. We started in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when David, as a young man out in the field, a teenager, that he was called to, to show up at his dad's house because Samuel was there and God had sent Samuel there to anoint him as the next king of Israel. We were there, we talked a few weeks ago in the last part of 1 Samuel 16 when David, after being anointed, that he served there in the palace. He served King Saul. We talked about that time when he walked out into the valley and he faced the, the giant, literally the giant that was coming after him and the victory that God provided. Last week we talked about that continuing journey and that season as he began to prepare and to walk through and to follow through what it is that God had him, that God didn't put him right in the palace, that God had a, a preparation time of trusting him no matter what, that no matter what the journey looked like, that, that he was going to follow after God, chasing the heart of God. Now today we're going to talk about when we face the situations, when the storm clouds are coming, when the enemy approaches, what do we do? Like, how can we face that time? It seems like everything is kind of clouding in around us, circling around us, and coming after us to attack us and to destroy us. Like, what are we going to do then? And we can learn from the life of David, from his actions and his heart and his words, how we can know exactly what it is to do. Now we know, and I shared it with you last week, that David went through a season where Saul was out to kill him. We talked about how that in that early moment when he was there, and, and it says that an evil spirit came on Saul, and when he did, Saul picked up a spear, and while David was hanging out in the corner playing the harp to, to soothe his nerves, to calm him, to, to serve the king, that Saul picked up a, a spear and twice tried to kill him. We talked about how that, that he sought after David and, and chased him. In fact, if you read 1 first, first Samuel 18 all the way up through 1 Samuel 26, 11 or 12 times, depending on how you count, David was actually attacked by Saul. Saul tried to kill him 11 or 12 times in just that season of David's life, all taking place in about four years. So for four years, David was running for his life. Now, let's just pause for a moment and let's remember who David was. Can somebody just tell me, like, yeah, like, what was David? Who was David during this time in his life? Can anybody tell me? A shepherd? Somebody say shepherd? Great answer, but wrong. Can anybody else tell me what David was during this season of life? What, what is it? Great answer, still wrong. But uh, great answer, fantastic. I mean, it's true, but wrong. 
Not what I'm looking for. Yeah. God's anointed, the next king. Like he was the one that Samuel poured that oil over his head, put his hand upon his head and prayed, and said, this is the one that God has called and anointed as the next king. And now the next king, God's anointed, what was God's anointing doing? God's anointed doing. He was running for his life. And in the passages that we're going to read today, like he was literally hiding in the caves. He was running in the desert, hiding in the caves, avoiding all of Saul's army, 3,000 men, twice in the passages that, that you read through 1 Samuel 18 through 1 Samuel 26. 3,000 men were seeking after, running after, chasing after David to kill him. And you think, that is God's anointed. Now listen to me. If God's anointed has to run for his life sometimes, so do we. There are times in your life and in your journey where it's going to feel like everything is just like closing down around you. Even when you're doing what God has called you to do, there's going to be moments in your journey where you feel like, man, there is just nothing left for me to do, and I don't know where to turn, and I don't know where to go. There are going to be times in your journey when everything doesn't make sense. And you're left literally with one simple phrase that is the only thing that can rationally come to mind. Why me? I look over here and I see Jen Barrick sitting on the front row. And I think as we're talking about what David went through during that season, as we're talking through that situation of like, why me? Like Jen is a, an amazing example of someone who could have said those same words. And all that she's been through, 16 years ago in a car accident, a horrific brain injury, tragedy after tragedy, facing cancer not long after that. And here's what I know, every time that I see Jen, every time that I see her, whether it's in church or whether in a restaurant or whether hanging out somewhere, what I always see about Jen is this right here. Can you get this on camera? See that right there? I've never seen her frown. I've never seen her discouraged. I've never seen, you know, the pain that I know she has gone through showing on her face. All that I see is joy. And you know why I always see joy in her, in her face? It's why it's because of what God's doing in her heart. Like when everything seems to be closing in around you, God is still in control. Am I right, Jen? God is still in control. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. Now remember, this is a time, uh, about four years, where David's running for his life. He's about 22, 23 years old now. Saul and 3,000 men are chasing after him. The Scriptures tell us, 1 Samuel 22, 1 Samuel 24, another passage, like he was running into uh, the caves that were down near uh, Adullam and, and in Gedi. And in fact, I got a couple of pictures, and we can put those up just uh, real quick if we could. Um, where's the picture? Here it is. So this is down in that area near En Gedi. Now, I know that's true because I took that picture two weeks ago down near En Gedi. I took that myself. And as you can see, like this is the, the, the area where David was running and hiding. Now, you can see there, there are not lots of trees to hide behind, are there? No, all that there are, and you can see them all through there, there are caves everywhere. And David was finding a place to, to find a kind of creep into to hide in these caves. And remember now, in these caves... It's about a hundred and some degrees. It get up to 130 degrees during the summer. Uh, I was there in the fall. It was, you know, much, much cooler. It was like 108. And 
So David is running for his life and he's hiding in the caves. In fact, this is a picture of another cave that I took. This is a picture actually in Qumran where, you know, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And, and you can see there's a cave there. And I don't know if you can see in this picture as well as, as I know I saw it because I was there. But right in the middle of that cave, right in the front of that cave, there's an ibex, a gazelle that's sitting right there in the front, hanging out in the shade and taunting me because I was not in the shade. I was out in the sun taking this picture. But this is kind of a picture of the idea of like what David was doing. He was hiding in the desert, in the rocks, and a hundred and some degrees, hiding in the caves because Saul and 3,000 men were running after him, trying to kill him. What was David's response? Because there's only two responses you can have in a moment like that. You can either have the response, it's a natural human response, is God, why me? God, you told me you were going to be with me. God, you told me you were going to bring me through. God, you told me that I was the next king. And here I am hiding, not in a palace, I'm hiding in the rocks. I'm sitting here with scorpions and vipers and gazelles, and I'm sitting here trying to, to, to make it and to live and to survive, and it's hot. God, why me? That's one response. But there's also another response. Now, I told you to turn to Psalm 57, and I want you to hold your place there. I want to read a different passage first from 1 Samuel chapter 24. It says, when Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told that David is in the wilderness near En Gedi. You saw that picture just a moment ago. So Saul took 3,000 of Israel's fit young men, and he went to look for David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. When Saul came to the sheep pens along the road, a cave was there, and he went in to relieve himself. There were no uh, sheets restaurants then on the, you could stop in gas stations there. He went into the cave, and David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. What are the chances, right? You think about like, like what are the chances that Saul, in a massive wilderness, a massive desert, traveling down the road, and he happens to choose the same cave that David and his men were hiding in, it says that that they were in the recess of the cave. So they said to him, the men said to David, look, this is the day the Lord told you about. I will hand your enemy over to you so you can do to him whatever you desire. And then David got up and he secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him because he had cut the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. And with these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. Remember, two responses, hiding in the caves, running for your life. One, God, why me? Or two, I will honor what God has for me regardless of what it looks like. That I will say, God, your will, not mine, be done. And that's what we just read, isn't it? There in that passage of 1 Samuel chapter 24. David could have gotten angry. David could have killed Saul. He could have killed Saul in that moment, but he didn't. Why? Because he trusted God. So when the enemy approaches, when the storm clouds gather, when life seems to be out of control, when things seem to be way too difficult, trust God. God. Now let's learn from David like how you can actually have that kind of heart of what he said in this moment, what we can learn from this moment so that we can too put it into practice in our own lives. So we're going to go to Psalm 57 and we're going to read this passage. Before we do, I just want to simply say this. When the enemy approaches, we must take refuge in God. Look what it says in Psalm 57 beginning with verse 1. 
It says, be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. Now, as David said in that cave, and by the way, Psalm 57, just so you know, was written by David sitting in the cave. He wrote this passage, and we don't really know if it was whether, you know, 1 Samuel chapter 22, when it says he was hiding in the caves of Adullam, or whether in 1 Samuel chapter 24, he was hiding in the cave at En Gedi. We don't know whether he wrote Psalm 57 in Adullam cave or En Gedi cave. All we know is he wrote it in a cave, and here's what he says again. Be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. Now think about that. Saul, 3,000 men coming after you to kill you. You're hiding in a cave. It's a hundred and some degrees. They're, it's just dirty and it's nasty. And you're sitting there, you're hiding, knowing that, that literally the king of the country in which you live is trying to kill you. And rather than saying, God, why did you bring me here? God, why did you let this happen? God, why me? He's saying this, God, be gracious to me because I trust in you. I trust in your protective wings that you wrap around me until the danger passes. He basically is saying this, listen, I know it's tough, but I don't care because God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Can you say that when you're finding yourself in the same kinds of situations? Now, I know there's probably nobody in this room that has been in a situation where, you know, where you're hiding in a cave and there's 3,000 people outside trying to kill you. I, I know that's true, but I can guarantee you there's some people in here that have felt kind of like that. I talked with an individual this morning, walking down the, the hallway out in the lobby. And I said what I've said a thousand times, what you've said a thousand times as you're walking down the hall. You say, hey, how you doing? And when you say, how you doing, what are you expecting back? Fine, Fine right? I mean, it's almost like, you know, it's like, hey, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. Yeah, and you just keep on going, right? Hey, how you doing? I didn't hear fine. Because immediately I saw tears. Because that person that I was talking to was feeling like they were in a cave, just like David was. Because they're going through a crisis in their life, and they feel like everything is circling in around them. Everything is closing in on them, and they don't know where to go and where to turn. And the pain and the sorrow and the despair that was in that moment, like, it hits them. And you don't really know when it's going to happen. And I had the opportunity of stopping and talking with them and praying with them and Letting them know, like, God's got you. God's going to bring you through this stuff. That's what David was saying. God, be gracious to me, God. Be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you, and I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. Now, listen, I can just see in the imagery in David's mind, because David was a poet, right? I mean, David was a poet. He was a musician. He's an artist, right? And so he's writing, like, I'll take refuge in the, in the shadow of your wings. Now, remember, he's sitting in the cave. In fact, put the picture, Matt, back up there, if you would, the picture of the cave, um, the, the second picture right there. So you can see there as he's in a cave. Now, this is, I know this is probably not the cave that he was in because there are thousands of these caves in that road, in that area in Engedi. But he, he's hiding in the cave. 
And he's saying, God, I take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And you see that image there. And all I can think is that David, being the artist, being the creative, like, like he's kind of like, you know, Scott Bowman and Charles Billings are like, you know, everything's got music and everything's creative and he's, everything's artist, you know. I mean, that's what they're thinking, right? And, and I can see David writing these words, thinking of that hole that's there, that entrance to that cave, that he's inside the cave and the granite rock, the limestone that is all around him. And what he's doing in his mind, he's picturing this is the shadow of the wings of God. The rocks that are surrounding me are not a cave that I'm in. It's not a prison that I'm in. You know what those the, the rocks are? The rocks are literally God wrapping his arms around me and protecting me. And that's what David is saying here when the enemy approaches. Take refuge in God. Because honestly, there are many times when that's all that you have. There are many times when that's all that's left. I visited Jen in the hospital scores of times when she was in the hospital 16 years ago. And I can guarantee you that for the first you know, few weeks, months, she was you know, in a coma and she was not awake. But later when she was awake, I know there are moments when trusting in God was all you had. Is that true, Jen? Like she's sitting there in a hospital bed going through all that she's going. And I know the only thing she really had was just simply this, God, I trust you. God, I take refuge in you. She would sing songs, worship and praise and praise of God in the midst of what was obviously the most traumatic and difficult thing of her life and journey. And all she could do is take refuge in God. Why? Because when the enemy approaches, when it's closing in around you, when there's nothing left, there are times when trusting God is all you have. But listen to me. When trusting God is all that you have, trusting God is absolutely all that you need. It's all that you need. And that's what David was writing in this passage in verse 1 of, of Psalm 57. But then he goes on to teach us some things. And I love how David teaches us in the midst of this song that he's writing of Psalm 57, because he taught us, yes, when the enemy approaches, when it's closing in around you, take refuge in God. But then he goes on to tell us in verse 2 that that refuge starts in prayer. Look what it says in verse 2. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You see, David's journey that brought him to that point of running for his life and hiding for his life, that journey that found him now sitting in a cave, sitting there in the darkness of that cave, knowing that 3,000 plus one are coming after him to kill him. In the midst of all of that journey that he's walking through, here's what we learn from David. David did not feel sorry for himself, and he did not cry because of what he was going through. He did not go on Facebook or Twitter and say, look at me, look at all the problems that I have. Isn't life awful? He cried out to God most high. Man, what a lesson for us. Just crying out to God. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need your strength. God, I need your, your power. God, I need joy. I need that Philippians 4 peace that passes all understanding. God, I need you to show up today and, and to encourage me and, and to bring joy into my heart and in my life. Because God, I don't have anything left. God, I cry out to you, God most high. And he teaches in this passage that, that that refuge that we can find in God, it starts with our action. 
Now, that does not to say that God's not going to show up until you cry out to him. But boy, here's what I do know. When you cry out to God, it seems like he shows up quicker. It seems like the, the, the presence of God seems to be more obvious. It seems like it's something that, that you recognize a lot quicker. God is always active and God is always at work. But I know this, every time that I've ever cried out to God, I've felt him and his presence a lot quicker than I would have had I not. And so he teaches us that the refuge starts in prayer. But then he also teaches us in verses 3 and following, it continues in trust. Look what it says in verse 3. Verse 3, he reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. God sends his faithful love and truth. I am surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Now, can you imagine being in a situation where that's what you felt like? Like that you're surrounded by lions, that, that literally like they're there and you can see them and the imagery and the realism of knowing that, like they are coming after me and they're going to take me down and they're going to hurt me and they're going to kill me. Man, it's like literally he's sitting there like, God, I know I'm surrounded and I know it's closing in on me. God, I know it is tough. But look what he says again in verse, in verse 3. In verse 3, he says these words, he reaches down from heaven and saves me. Man, I love that. He reaches down from heaven and saves me. You know, probably if we had the opportunity and the time, we could go around, and there are probably a lot of testimonies in this room of how in situations that you've been in where you felt like God has reached down from heaven and saved you. In fact, like just by show of hands, like how many like in your journey in your life, I know you've not had lions surround you with teeth like spears. I know that. But you have gone through some trials and tragedies in your life and you literally have sensed and you felt God reaching down from heaven and saving you in that situation. Would you just raise your hand if you felt like at some point in your life, like, yeah, I've got a testimony of that. Man, I've got a picture of that. How God literally like reached down and just like grabbed a hold of me and saved me. Man, I've got stories like that. I, I can tell you, man, time and time again where God has done that in my life. And that's what David is telling. Like, it continues in trust, like trusting that that's what God will do. And whether it's a financial challenge, I know there's some people sitting in this room today, people that I've talked to that have walked through seasons in their life where business was really good, and then all of a sudden crisis hit, and man, business was tough, and, and you weren't even sure that you were going to be able to pay your bills tomorrow. And you're sitting there like, man, I don't know what to do and I don't know where to turn, but I'm just simply going to trust God. And then God brings you through. And I know there are some people that could raise their hand to testimony of that because I've talked to many of you who've been there. I know there are people in this room that have gotten reports from doctors like, man, there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no way I'm going to make it through. The doctor said, like, this is it. This is final. The doctor said, like, man, there's nothing left that they can do. And yet here you are, and God continues to bring you through day by day by day. You see, we just simply trust God no matter what. Because here's the cool thing about God. When you trust Him with everything, you can't lose. When you trust Him with everything, you cannot lose. 
Even when you come to the time when the doctor said there's no hope, and even when you come to the time we prayed for, uh, for Phyllis, who passed away, the service is tomorrow. Like we know there are times when you lose the battle with cancer, when you lose the battle with whatever disease that you're facing. And you say, well, wait a minute now. If you just said you lose and you just said with God you can't lose, like, like how does that make sense? Here's why. Because I know heaven's better than here. Because I know this. I've read the scriptures and I know this, man. I, listen, I'm not itching to get there. I've got a grandson that's going to be born like any time, and I want to see him. Friday morning, they went to the hospital at 3 o'clock, and they were there all day. I thought Friday was going to be the day. He still hasn't shown up. <laughs> I want to see him. I want to see him be born. I want to see my other grandkids that might be coming, God willing, in the year. I want to meet them, right? I want to see them grow up. Man, I want to watch them, you know, devour. I want to see all that stuff, right? I'm not itching to get to heaven, but here's what I know. If today I found myself in a situation where I became sick, and tomorrow the doctor told me there's nothing left that we could do, and then later, whether it's a week or a month or, or even several months down the road, like I come to the end of my life, here's what I know. I will not fear. Why? Because I know my God is with me. And I know that what God has prepared for me, what Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. I know this, if Jesus built my house, it's better than anything I've got here. I look back, I see a lot of builders in this room. See Kevin Foster over here. He's a builder, develops houses all over the place. Kevin, he does a great job, but here's what I know. There's not a house that Kevin's ever built that will even compare to what Jesus has built. That's what God has prepared for us. You see, you can't lose when you simply trust God. And that's what David teaches us in this passage. We go back to 1 Samuel chapter 22. You don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read it. Remember now in 1 Samuel chapter 24, David's hiding in the caves at En Gedi. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, he's hiding in the caves of Adullam. And it's interesting because he felt all alone. He felt like he was like, like no one cared and no one was with him and no one wanted to be around him. He felt like he literally had been abandoned by everything. Probably, again, he's human. Probably, even though he was a man after God's own heart, there was probably a moment in his life where he was like, God, wait a minute now. Come on, seriously. I remember when Samuel came to my house, and I remember when he anointed me as the next king, and here I am hanging out in the cave like, God, what's going on here? Look what God did in the cave at Adullam. 1 Samuel chapter 22. David left Gath, and he took refuge in the cave at Adullam. Again, another cave that's up a little bit, a little bit west of Jerusalem. And when David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, they went down and they joined him there. Let me read that again. Because I want you in your mind to think back to what we read a few weeks ago in 1 Samuel 16. Remember, Jesse didn't even consider that he could be possible that David would be the next king. He didn't even call for him when Samuel showed up at the house, right? His brothers criticized him in 1 Samuel 17 when he came out to the battlefield, right? You're just here because you want to be seen. You're just here because you want to get your nose and everything, right? That they criticized him. They made fun of him. They mocked him. Let me read this passage again. When David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, they went down and joined him there. Isn't it interesting that just a few chapters before this, again, it's been several years, but a few chapters as we read it before, David was not even considered of value by his family. And now when he's hiding in a cave and when 3,000 men are coming out to kill him, that when David's brothers heard about it, David didn't have to go to them on the battlefield. They ran to him. What does that teach us? You trust God, God's going to surround you with everything that you need to encourage you and strengthen you. That's what I love about the body of Christ. 
because I know there are people in this room, just like today when I walked down the hall, hey, how you doing? I didn't hear fine. I saw tears. And here's what I know. In that situation, that individual walked into this church this morning, probably feeling very alone. And God just happened to have me in the hallway at that moment, giving the, you know, the stereotypical, hey, how you doing? And God brought me in to be able to sit there and to pray with that young man and to wrap my arms around him and to encourage him. Now, listen, I know I'm not like, you know, something that God showed up for him. But here's what I know. I know there have been lots of times when I felt down and I just happened to run into somebody and they encouraged me. God does that. When you trust God, God will always give you what you need in the moment. Remember I said a little while ago, when God, trusting God is all that you have left, trusting God is all you what? You need. And so God teaches us that through the life of David. But then he goes on to tell us not only, yes, certainly, when the enemy approaches, like we've got to make, take refuge in God, and that refuge starts in prayer, and, and absolutely we must trust him. But then David teaches us something else. David teaches us that that trust is confirmed through worship. Look what it says in verses 5 and following. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, he exalted, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. He spends the last part of Psalm 57 and he's simply praising God and worshiping God and celebrating who God is. God, your name be exalted. God, your name be lifted up. God, you're the only one worthy of our praise. God, you are that one. Remember, he's writing it in the cave. He's writing it with 3,000 men outside trying to kill him. There's no feeling sorry for yourself in that song that we just read, is there? There's no moments feeling like, man, I, no one cares. Everyone's abandoned me. God, why are you letting me go through this? Oh, no. What he's sharing is this. God, you are a great God. God, you are awesome. God, you're our living hope. God, I can't believe how awesome you are and how amazing you are. God, I am so grateful for what you have done. God, I'm so grateful for your great love for us. You see, worship actually prepares your heart for the battle. When you're going through the most difficult moments in life, if your heart is full of worship, then guess what your heart is? Chasing after the heart of God. And when your heart is chasing after the heart of God, here's what I know. It doesn't matter whether you find yourself sitting at the highest point of your life or whether you're sitting in a dark, hot cave in the desert. When your heart is full of praise and worship for who God is, you will not be captivated by the surroundings that you're in. You'll be captivated by the fact that you are protected and in refuge in the mighty wings of God. So just a quick couple of application points that we can take out of this that David gives to us that that we need to understand. Things that we just like need to get for our own journey because all of us are going to be there. I promise you. Yes, you'll never have 3,000 men chasing after you to kill you, I hope. 
but you are going to walk through moments where life seems to be falling apart. Three quick things. First one is this. If David faced intense attacks after being anointed as the next king of Israel, you can be sure that you will face them as well. Basically, I could say this, like get real. Yes, walking with God is awesome. Yes, being a part of the body of Christ, it is amazing. But know this, we are never in a situation where we are removed from the tragedies of this world. It's just that we're protected in the tragedies of this world. If David faced it, you're going to face it. So get real. Second thing, prayer is our greatest weapon against fear, anxiety, and attacks. It's not self-help books. It's not going online to try to find somebody to, to, you know, to sympathize with you. It's not running to some course that can tell you how to make it out of the situation you're in. It's not running around feeling sorry for yourself. Prayer is the greatest weapon against fear, anxiety, and attacks that you will face in life. And the third lesson we can learn is this. Never forget the greatness of God. Nothing is too hard for him. Jeremiah chapter 32 tells us that. My dad always used to say this. God will never put you in a situation that he does not also give you the strength to bear it up. God will never put you in a place that you can't make it through. Think about that. No matter how tough life might be, God will never take you to a place in life that he has not also given you everything that you need to make it out. So when you feel like you're in the cave, when you feel like everything is closing in around you, when you feel like there is no hope left, never forget the greatness of God because nothing is too hard for Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the encouragement that we read today that even when life is full of trials and full of pain, God, that You can bring us through. So God, I pray that today for every person gathered in this room, Lord, encourage us because I know there are lots of, of caves that are represented in this room today. A lot of people who are hiding, a lot of people who are running, a lot of people who feel as if everything is just kind of closing in on them. God, I know that's true. God, today, I pray that the passage that we have just read that comes from your heart through the hand of David, God, that, that we have learned a lesson today that no matter how dark things might seem, you are the light. That you are the one that will bring us through. That you're the one that we can trust in. So God, I pray that as we come to this time of invitation and decision, God, if there's someone here today that, that is walking through that cave moment of their life, God, I pray that maybe today would be that that deliverance moment for them where they might come to this altar and just kneel here and just say, God, thank you that even in this pain and this sorrow, God, you're my living hope. That maybe today there's someone here that has never experienced the hope that comes through believing in Jesus, that he died and that he rose again. I pray that today would be the day they simply say, I believe. God, let us see the same thing David saw, that when everything seemed hopeless, David never gave up because he knew that David with God is always a majority. And God will give you the praise. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front. And
We're going to have a time of invitation in a moment. We're going to stand. We're going to sing and as we do. Maybe here today you need to come and just kneel here. Maybe you need to bring some heaviness to the altar today. Maybe you need to come and just lay some things down here that have been troubling you. Some things that have been like wearing you out. Like, how am I going to make it through this? Maybe today you need to come and just kneel here and just say, God, I've been carrying this stuff. I'm tired of it. So God, today I give it to you. And I know this about God. Like, like God wants to carry your weight. God wants to bear that burden. God wants to do what only he can do in your life. But you got to trust him. You got to take refuge in him. And so maybe today you need to come and just lay some things at this altar. Maybe today you want to come and talk with one of our team and meet Christ. To recognize that he died, that he rose again for you. And that today he wants to be you, to be a, a child of God because of what Christ has done. Our team would love to talk with you about that and pray with you about that. Maybe you want to come and join our church family or baptism, whatever it is. Let's stand. Zach's going to lead us this morning. And as we do, listen, do you have something today that you need to lay at his feet? I encourage you, take this moment, this time, this altar to do just that. Zach, lead us. The altars are open. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your today we are overwhelmed by your goodness. God, we don't even understand it. And God, I kind of think David maybe didn't even understand it. But God, we just thank you that today that you continue to illuminate your truth in our lives. Because God, I know there's a lot of darkness that's represented in our world today. A lot of trial, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. So God, today I pray and I thank you that, that in this moment today, through your word, we have been reminded once again that even when the enemy approaches, there's nothing to fear. That even when life seems to be falling apart, God, we take refuge in you. And so God, I, God, I pray that that's what we would do in our journey, that we would be encouraged that there's nothing to fear. And Lord, for that, we give you the praise. We celebrate you. We worship you, God, because we know that we can always trust you in whatever that we face. In Jesus' name we pray. Today the altar is going to remain open. There are many here. There are many others who may need to come here. Our team will remain here. If you need to come to this altar today, I encourage you to do that right now. God bless you. Have a great day.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.